Hello and welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. We've been trucking along, having fun. Spring is in full bloom. We actually have some nice weather outside. It's perfect to get out and do a little spring bear hunting. Season hasn't quite wrapped up, but we got some tips and tricks this episode on what to do to try and get a spring bear. This episode of Radcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hi, everybody. It's good to be back. I'm glad to be here on Radio Land. I'm thankful you're still here with us, checking us out. Go stop by the website. Make sure you uh, check out all the swag we got going. We just got done with our giveaway. That was pretty cool. We had a lot of people intrigued and uh, engaged in that, so that was neat to see all our fans and listeners out there trying to get some swag. So if you didn't win, definitely go check out what's on the website. Go go. Uh, support all those sponsors that donated all that stuff it's it's really neat that they're uh they're definitely extending their hand and and supporting us i know that so if you could you know whether you're in, into the seasonings or the bow hunting or the fishing or even fremont county stoneworks say you you know you got father's day coming up you need a father's day gift you know he's he can he can make anything and he can put your logo your name on it so pretty much anything that you want Mike can get it done. And I also just want to say a big shout out to Jeremiah Fike for winning. I know he was very excited to get all that stuff. We put a Facebook post up and he was grinning pretty big. So I think he's going to enjoy all the loot that he just got in that box. So that's pretty awesome. And we'll be doing a summer giveaway here. We're definitely going to do another one. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. You know, this last episode was episode 50 for David and I. So that's kind of a big deal kind of a big milestone for us. We we weren't really sure how many episodes we were going to get through, but we, when we first set out, we committed to doing 12 and see how it went, and we're we're way past that now, and I'm still <laughs> I'm loving it, having fun, so I'm sticking around. How about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome, and there's a lot of ideas, and uh, we've got some good guests lined up for in the future, and so I think the future is bright for us, and Today we're going to talk about spring bear, and this is definitely out of my wheelhouse. This is definitely more in David's wheelhouse, but, you know, spring bear I hear from a lot of friends is a lot of fun, and my buddy Seth up in Idaho, he makes an annual event out of it, and so I wanted to pick your brain. So tell me a little bit about spring bear. Well, it's probably one of the best ways to cure cabin fever, right? Been cooped up all winter, especially here in the northern half of the United States, We've been stuck inside way too long, and it's the the grass is getting green, the flowers are popping, and I've I've always relished my time of taking a a four day, five day, seven day spring bear hunt, especially if you draw a tag in a unit somewhere, and going with a group of guys and going spring bear hunting, and it's it's just a different it's a different animal. I mean, as far as the hunt and the the species itself, <laughs> right? You you are you are hunting a predator and. You know, we could we could talk for hours about whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, and I don't, I don't want to get super political about it. We're we're going to talk about what what you do if you're going to go. So, right. caveat: well, if you don't want to spring bear hunt or you're not into it, go 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 do something else today. 
Well, I know the the bears here in Wyoming. I mean, black bears, they wake up in the springtime. They're hungry. They're ready to get out and about just like we are. I mean, they have cabin fever worse than we do. They don't get up in the middle of winter. So, you know, what are they, what do you look for as far as patterns? And, you know, when you're trying to set up or plan for a bear hunt, what do you look for? So they're going to be, you know, the, the first week or two they wake up, they're pretty sluggish. They're pretty groggy. They're not very active. So it kind of depends, are you going early in the season or later in the season? That's really going to depend on what you're doing. But for the most part, you you got two options, really. In some states, you can bait bear. Other states, it's purely glassing, spotting, stocking, right? So if you can't bait, we'll just go down that ro- rabbit hole. And the that's the most fun for me. I do, I have baited bears. I have nothing against baiting bears. It's actually a lot of fun to check trail cameras you're a little more controlled in your environment and so it's a lot easier to take newbies or children you know in into a bear bait barrel and and have some success and opportunity so i'm by no means thumbing my nose up at baiting bears because it's actually a lot of fun my favorite part is just checking trail cameras and seeing which bears are coming in and you know sometimes watching the interactions between two bears at the barrel at the same time so so what kind of stuff are you throwing in that barrel uh, you need to check your regulations per state. You know, some states you need to pre-register your bait. Some states you even have to, you know, lottery draw to pre-register a, a square tract of mile like this state. And then you can put a bait out. Um, most states you cannot use game meat of any kind. So whether that be fish, whether that be meat, you can't, you know, that's not an appropriate means. A lot of people will use dog food. That's a, that's a good one. Um, Honestly, donuts and popcorn. I've heard about the donuts part. <laughs> donuts and popcorn with, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Cam Haynes. He had a recipe for bear crack and Kool-Aid marshmallows and sugar reduced down and poured <laughs> over the top of popcorn and donuts. is uh, <laughs> cause, And you cook it right at the bait, so you mm. get that burnt sugar smell wafting. And yeah, there, you, hey, boo-boo, you know. Ranger Rick says if we raid one more picnic <laughs> basket, right, the, there's some truth in that as far as um, when I was in Alaska, I don't remember specifically the regulations, but you couldn't use a, a lot of different things, right? You couldn't use. And so I was pretty much relegated down to I used uh, COB and mixed it with molasses and put it out there. And that's corn, oats, and barley, right? Mm-hmm. But the grizzly bears really like that. I've got some cool pictures of two bears up fighting and I got a couple daylight pictures of just a 10 foot giant, just, I mean, five foot at the shoulder type bear, which is, that's a, that's a VW beetle walking down the road towards you. No joke. So that was a little eerie walking into that bait by yourself. I mean, I'm definitely pistol and shotgun and head on a swivel and every twig snap you're to, to refill that thing you're in, change the card, get back out of there. So, and I never harvested a bear on that barrel. I have harvested other bears on barrels before. And like I said, the, the harvest is just a small portion of that. There's a ton of work that goes into establishing the bait, you know, following the rules, getting a supply of some sort of bait. Um, beef tallow is a really good, go buy a butcher and see if you can get some of that stuff. You know, they, they're omnivores, right? They eat about everything, but the higher fat content you can get, higher carbs, higher fat. So sugars, and, you know, uh, beaver is actually, beaver carcasses is a wonderful bait. So, well, and they just took a long nap, so they're looking for something to kind of get their system going again. 
And so that'll segue, I mean, before we get off of baiting, you really, if you're going to bow hunt, you know, you want your tree stand to be within about 20 yards of the barrel. 40 would be max, you know, and you don't want to be 35 feet up a tree, but you don't want to be eight feet up a tree, right? That, that 14 to 16, maybe even 20 foot range. And you want to try and clear out some of the brush and shooting lanes so you don't have branches in the way. And you know, it sets your camera. What I do is I actually set my camera up pretty high, eight feet off the ground, put a stick behind it to angle it back down towards the barrel. I don't know what it is, but you either get a little food smell or human smell or whatever on your hands and you touch your camera. Bears love to put teeth hole through your <laughs> trail camera and it's, it doesn't work very long. So if you can, you know, stand on a box, stand on a log and put that camera as high as you can reach and then put a stick on the top half of it to angle it about a 20 degree angle down you'll still get all the pictures you want of the barrel and most of the time the bears will leave it alone they still can climb up there and get after it but if you put it at four feet straight at the barrel you're gonna get a lot of nose pictures and you might get teeth mark in your trail camera so you know there's just a few things like that of figuring out the prevailing wind from where your stand is and where your barrel is and where you think the bears are going to try and access and they're going to use the cover they're not going to walk across the middle of a meadow in the middle of the day right they're going to follow a creek bottom or follow a timber line or whatever you've got on your where you can legally bait and so paying attention to that prevailing wind so that you know what you want to do is you want to walk past your stand to the barrel with the wind in your favor when you're baiting it so when you go to sit in it you know you don't have to walk past your barrel you just walk to your tree climb up your tree and you haven't left any scent there i mean the bears are obviously going to get used to human scent what i found interesting is uh, uh, you know we've we've hunted a few different barrels in a few different states and one of the biggest bears ever killed was killed 15 minutes after guys got dropped off at the bait on a four-wheeler usually you know we'll park half a mile three-quarters mile away and sneak in but occasionally you know depending on what hunters we have some guys you know just if you have somebody drive you in, drop you off, and drive back out, a bear can be laying up there two, three hundred yards and hear that and think that you just refresh the barrel and he wants to get in there and beat his buddies, <laughs> right? It gets to be, it, when it gets fun is when you get two or three bears hitting the same barrel. And then there's some competition for that food. Just like any other resource, once you get competition, they get a little less weary, a little less, you know, just elusive and they start becoming less nocturnal when they start hitting that barrel pretty consistent so that's the goal is you're trying to get a bear that you're kind of almost can pattern and sometimes those bears will come in find that barrel and they'll just stay there for 36 48 hours and just clean the barrel out uh, when i was in alaska specifically where i was baiting on the uh, kenai national wildlife refuge with a permit you couldn't harvest a grizzly bear in the spring over the barrel so I actually only cut about a nine inch diameter hole in the top of my barrel <laughs> and I got pictures. We'll have to put one on. Uh, I had a 30 gallon heavy oil drum, not a, you know, a lot of guys use 55 gallon plastic ones or even metal ones, but those are thinner. Well, and I used like three eighths cable and cable ties and put three of them around the tree around the barrel. Well, that bear just sat there and swatted that bucket like a tennis racket and it just kept I mean it was that 10 foot bear couldn't get food out of it but if he hit it hard enough some would shake out <laughs> by the time it was all done my barrel looked like a crushed pop can I mean oh, he finally he got it loose enough he got it sideways and he just jumped on it and just cratered it so 
but he couldn't get his paw in that nine inch hole and the black bears and the smaller grizz could. So there's, there's a tip of, you know, cut a small hole in your barrel. And that's for your Alaska guys that don't want to have grizzly as many grizzlies living on your barrel. But once you uh, get a bear hitting it consistently, you can plan on going through about two, two bags of dog food plus accoutrement a week. Right. So pop, couple bags of popcorn at home whatever you can source whatever's legal definitely check the regs but i was i was hauling in i had to uh, i was behind a lock gate so i was going in on a mountain bike and i would tie two 50 pound bags on either side of the frame of the bike <laughs> and have to kind of pedal with this oh, two bags i didn't want to hike the couple miles into my bait so that's a pretty good haul that was a good haul, and, you know, if I ever got in trouble back there, it probably, we wouldn't be having this conversation, Patrick. <laughs> so baiting with bears is, there's a ton of work that goes into it pre, and, you know, then you can have some better success. Like I said, if you're taking young kids or newbies, you can get up in that stand and be quiet, and if you're going to rifle hunt a bear barrel, that's even easier, you know. Within 100 yards, you kind of need a clear lane to your barrel, and th- you don't have to pay as much attention to to that prevailing wind, you still need to pay attention to it and kind of figure it out. And you don't want your scent blowing right at the barrel. And, you know, in the mountains, you can't control the wind. Some nights it happens and those bears, you, you, you'll you notice if you're sitting in your stand and, and the wind's on the back of your neck facing the barrel, nine times out of ten, no bears show up. They just, because they, as they approach it, they can smell you and they just, so they're, they're designed to stay alive, Patrick. Yeah, they're smart. So before we go too much farther, we better talk about some of our sponsors. So uh, the sponsor for this part of the podcast is Bow Spider. So if you guys haven't heard about the Bow Spider yet, I don't know where you've been. Um, (laughs) But the Bow Spider is the system for when you got to pack your bow. I imagine on a black bear hunt, it would be pretty helpful to pack your bow in potentially pack your bow up into the stand and have a place to hang it. Completely eliminates the the pull rope, you know, and you're in that situation, you're not having your bow in your hand. I, I pack a firearm, pack your binoculars. You can be paying attention to what you're doing, right? You get to your tree, definitely wear some sort of safety harness. You know, there's a lot of macho guys out there. Oh, I don't need one. Oh, I don't, I've never worn one. Oh, I don't fall. And, you know, I will say a couple times I've put mine up with put my stand up without a harness just to put it up and get out of there. But when I'm hunting, I wear one. And even I think about when I put it up, you know, it a fall from 14, 16 feet. I don't care how tough you are. You're, you're going to break your pelvis. You're going to break your back. You're going to break some legs. And if you're by yourself up there in the woods. So definitely keep that safety in mind. But yeah, bow spider is, I mean, if you haven't figured that one out yet, bowspider.com is the website, YouTube. Instagram, Facebook's all bow spider. There's how-to videos. I mean, it's a, it's just another tool in the woods. Can you harvest a bear without one? Certainly. Does it make it more pleasant walking to and from that stand, riding that bike to and from, going up and down the tree? Certainly. Yeah. So go to bowspider.com, check them out, and uh, get one for your next <laughs> spring bear hunt or archery elk hunt or whatever you plan on doing. So with black bears, I mean, what are some things as far as the species goes that you need to be thinking of while you're hunting them? Cause I'm sure they don't behave exactly like other species. So black bears hibernate. So they're going to load up on calories all fall, store a whole bunch of fat. They're going to sleep all winter, consume that fat resource. So they're coming into spring starved. I mean, just super hungry 
But that first two weeks, they actually have a, a plug in their intestinal tract, and they have to actually pass that plug. They'll One of their last meals, and we can talk to a biologist, but they eat some you know, less digestible material, grass, hair, whatever it might be, and they kind of plug their system up so that their digestive system isn't working all winter. And that's weird to me, you know. Think <laughs> think about not going to the bathroom for like 120 days. Yeah, no kidding. So they they wake up, they're a little bit out of it. They're kind of groggy and lethargic for the first 10 days or so. And then they start getting after it. And when they get after it, I mean, they really, they're going to focus in and key on a lot of shrubs, a lot of grasses mostly. I mean, any any green grass slope is going to have bears hitting it. When we drive over Togedee, where are the grizzly bears? They're on the south side of the highway, right, right there on the, the road, road, where the fresh green shoots are coming up, right? I've always wondered, why do they pick the grass when they could eat all the tourists that are taking that picture? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, maybe the grass is a little more tasty. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's, you, you always know when there's one of those. And man, those people, if, if you're one of those people, I, I have no problem with you going up and taking pictures of bears. I've been one of those locals that has pulled over and taken a picture to or a video. But... Do not be crossing the middle of traffic and not even looking. I mean, I'm trying to drive through there. <laughs> I was taking that class in Jackson two years ago. Yeah. So I was going back and forth twice a week. And I can't tell you how many people I'm coming through. I've slowed down from 65 to 30. And without looking, I mean, there's people standing up through their sunroofs, just losing their mind, swerving, not in and out of traffic, swerving all over the road, trying yeah. to herd bears so they get that final perfect picture. And stay 100 yards away from those suckers and just... If you honestly, there's my advice. If you see one of those bears, pull over about two, three hundred yards in front of the pack of people, in front of whichever way the bear's feeding, sit there, and the bear's going to walk right past you in about five, ten minutes. Yeah, Yogi doesn't like hugs either. So don't go over there and wrap your arm around Yogi and try to get a selfie. I don't think that's going to be the best plan in the world, but no. So, but those bears are hitting those roads because all that snow melt and that sun, that's where those grass is first greening up so the same thing you can do in the mountains is find those mostly southern facing exposed usually clear ravines and sometimes it depends on where you're hunting sometimes that's those bears can be you know pretty high up the mountains sometimes they can be pretty low you know i mean right off the river bottoms where that grass is greening up and snow can still be above it so you got to kind of play that and then they'll those bears will start to fan out further and further, and they're gonna—they're definitely gonna key on in on any ungulates that have died over the winter, right? So, I mean, check the states again. But I—if you're hunting and there's a, a dead elk or a dead deer and you sit over it, I don't think that's baiting. You didn't place that there, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some game warden might be screaming on the end of the end listening, but in my opinion, you know, it's—it's it's hunting, it's fair game, and so. But that's where the the cool part in that hunting is. Is we've talked about baiting, and I I enjoy it. It's it, but it's it's one tactic. The other tactic that I probably enjoy even more is just that spot and stalk. So finding those likely areas, hiking into, you know, I like to hike into a place where I can get a really good vantage of maybe five or six or seven ravines, drainages. Some, you know, I'll be on probably the north face, looking across either a big drainage or something, and looking at a lot of slopes where you can and you know weather's really tough if it's cold and rainy and snowy and nasty 
I was just talking with uh, Joe Bartlett actually this morning. He's been out this last week trying to film a bear hunt, and they've got snow up there and rain. And he said it felt more like a uh, November mule deer hunt than it did a spring <laughs> bear hunt. And they didn't have a lot of success this week, but you know, the next couple of days, the weather's going to change. And especially if the, those bears, when they get that nasty weather, they just go hide in the timber. And so trying to sneak up on a bear in the timber. He can hear better. He can uh, definitely smell better than you. So it's that's tough to be done. But the spot and stock for me is one of the favorite. And just because it's a lot of mornings, a lot of evenings, glassing, hiking different ridges. And some days you can see multiple bears in a day. You know, and then and then it just becomes a game of how can I get to him or within distance of him before he feeds out of the way. And, I mean, we've drawn a couple tags there and, right off the snake in Oregon and I can remember a thunderstorm. I'm, I'm on the middle of a stock, found a nice pair of thunderstorm rolls over the, and you're down in the Canyon so far. You can't tell when they're coming, right? It just pops over the Ridge above you. And <laughs> that bear goes running. I mean, you get hail or sideways rain and that bear goes running for the timber when you're <laughs> halfway through a stock. It's a, can be a little frustrating, but it's cool. I mean, you definitely want to Good optics. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. The best optics money can afford. And I'm I'm a big fan of tripods. Put your put your ten power binoculars on a tripod and have your spotting scope sitting there. And I like to grid the whole country, right? And so I just kinda go zigzagging back and forth up and down at the same time. It's very slowly, just pan, 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 pan and go from, you know, the, the farthest upper left I can see to the lowest, you know, lower right you can see in a grid pattern and then do that again. And then I'll st- switch from doing that to just start picking out what I'd call, you know, key features of, well, that black spot wasn't there or that brown spot wasn't there. And just keep watching ridges just, you know, cause after you grid it and I do this every five, 10 minutes, I grid it. Then I go through for a couple minutes and just focus on spots where key bears could be. And then after I've done that for a little bit, just put my binoculars down, just look at the whole hillside, you know, take the whole thing in and then go back to gridding again. So I'll pull that spot and scope out, pick pick apart any little features that I can't quite discern with the binoculars, and then go right back to gridding again. And you'll do that all morning, right? The cool part is, is usually there's some morel mushrooms popping. Uh, midday naps are always <laughs> crucial, <laughs> especially getting up at daylight. You know, those bears are they're still going to be pre- predominantly active during mid-morning and mid afternoon towards evening now you can that doesn't mean that at noon you don't get a bear that gets hungry and gets up from wherever he's sleeping in the shade and walks out and it depends on temperature too if it's really hot and it's you're talking a black black bear he's gonna (laughs) he's gonna you know kind of be a little shy of the sun he gets you know you think about walking around with a heavy black coat on in midday you're you're not gonna do it much either you're gonna cook so it, but if it's relatively cool and color phase bears, I, I don't think they get as hot, right. As the jet black ones. So, and I could be wrong, but they, they are where they are and you find them where you find them. But that, those are some really good places to start. The other fun thing to do that not a lot of people do is take a predator call with you, right? They are, they're an omnivore, but they're also a carnivore. They eat meat, right? They, and they're a predator, and they will key into, and a lot of people don't know this, but uh, bears are very, very effective at harvesting calf elk. 
black bears especially. Grizzlies, I don't think they are as much. I don't. I mean, I, they can be for sure, but I I know that in in the spring, you know, a huge huge portion of mortality is due to at least for elk is due to black bears, and you know, there's been a couple studies on grizzlies on moose calf populations in BC and up in Alaska and. You know, an adult grizzly bear can eat like 40 calves in a week. He just, you know, goes from one to the next to the next. And so that's why those ungulates try and drop all their their calves at the same time or pretty close to it to try and. Because for that first week, I mean, <laughs> they don't stand a chance of running away from a bear. No, so. bears are fast and athletic, so they're not going to get away. But what are some things to think about as far as, you know, your your setup as far as if you're going to rifle hunt or bow hunt, what are some things that you need to think about? Maybe some calibers you might want to consider if you're going to go on a hunt like that. So I have a pretty decent rule of thumb and it's just a rule of thumb. It's not Bible or gospel or anything like that, but you know, I like to keep at least one foot pound of energy in my projectile for every pound the animal is right. So if you're, going to be hunting a 750 pound elk your bullet needs to be maintaining about 750 foot pounds of kinetic energy now that's not to say that i mean you can shoot a in your you you know farming you could shoot a a big bull with a 22 at five yards and you're going to drop a a, you know i'm talking a one ton bull you're going to talk yeah a a beef cattle will, will fall to a 22 very quickly but we're not talking about something in a pen at five yards. So, you know, looking at your ballistics of whatever firearm you choose, and bears are comparatively to bison, elk, moose. They're relatively thinner boned, thinner skinned, but they can absorb a lot of lead. I mean, they are, <laughs> I mean, tough like a bear, right? They're, they're, they're pretty there's a reason there's that saying i mean you read like lewis and clark and some of the things they talked about and countering the grizzly bears and bears when they came out west i mean they are tough but yeah to your point you want something that's actually going to do the job but i mean as far as a black bear if you're not talking those iowa bears that are 900 pound black bear if we're talking a, an out west black bear in the three to four hundred pounds you keep the distances reasonable. Two forty three and above is is plenty. You know, I would be I'd be cautioned to say, hey, I'm gonna take my two two three out there. I, I would I would want a little more behind it. I'm not saying that it can be done. I'm not saying that you can't or it's not legal. I'm just saying, you know, and, and again, some states you need to check the regs. Yeah, but I was gonna say some states probably have a minimum requirement that you gotta look at and And we need that's why my rule of thumb is actually pretty decent because I don't really care what's stamped on the back of your caliber. Let's talk about what foot pounds of energy that bullet's producing at that yardage. Are we talking, I'm going to shoot a black bear on a barrel at 120 yards with a 243 with, you know, some nice nozzle partitions, that rifle, that combination at that distance, you put it in, you put it where it's supposed to be. And there's no black bear on the planet that's going to, absorb that and run away if you're accurate with it right but if we're talking in the wind shooting 750 yards across the canyon you better be looking at you know something that's got quite a bit more bullet speed and trajectory and and carry that you know muzzle energy so 
you know, I would say bare minimum for something like that, not no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> is, a, you know, something in maybe the 300s, really, right. honestly. You know, you're, you're 28 Nozzlers, your 7mm Remington Ultra Mags, your, your 300s. And that's, if you're talking, hey, I want to shoot a Barrett distance. And again, you need to be able to have been practiced with that just because the back of the box says, this is the bullet drop. If you haven't gone out, put a cardboard or steel target out and, you know, put a couple holes in the center of it at that distance, you have no, you have no rhyme or reason or right to be shooting that kind of distances. So there's some cool technology out there. I mean, the Burris Eliminator Scope and some of those others, uh, Sig Sauer's got one now, a couple other companies have where you range it either internally with the scope or with a rangefinder and through uh, Wi-Fi it it actually moves a lighted reticle and gives you your holdover. Now you still got to deal with windage and that's in the mountains. You know, it might be blowing east to west here on the other side of that river, 700 yards away. It could be blowing completely different direction. So you've got all that to take into account for sure. So knowing your equipment, knowing your capabilities and having practiced, um, if you're going to do it with a bow, which I highly recommend that adds a whole nother level of, <laughs> you know, when you're sneaking up on a feeding bear and you got to, get right in his living room it's it's it it heightens all your senses to a point you didn't think you could heighten your senses and it definitely i mean you can hear your heart beating out of your chest right you every movement every bird every squirrel you know it's there and it's it's a little bit it's definitely a game of life or death i mean we we call it a game it's life or death for them but you know if it goes wrong it can go really wrong so you know i would highly recommend the buddy system in any outdoor activity. And we can discuss yeah. some of that later, but you know, just especially on spring bear hunts, letting people knowing where you are, where you're going, that can be, you can get a nasty spring storm, right? And if you have a vehicle breakdown, if you sprain an ankle, whatever it might be, people kind of need to know where to start looking for you and when you're supposed to have been coming back. So those are things, you know, know your equipment, have some outdoor survival skills, go with somebody that may, if you're going into new country, you know, having done some e-scouting is awesome. That's one tool that, you know, 20 years ago we had maps, Patrick, I can remember going down and printing colored maps. I still have a bunch. Aerial photos, right? We're way better than maps. You're like topo photo and the map. I can really figure something out. Right. And we had these things called compasses. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I got my first GPS and then GPS with a map on it. And then, you know, now I've got, you know, base maps and Onyx on your phone is, I mean, every, we've all got our phone with us, right? It's a, it's an expensive tool. I mean, I can remember you used to get, get the chip with the state for like, I can't remember. It was, it was cheap. You, you owned all the states with the chip in yeah. your GPS for very, and now it's, you know, 50 bucks a year for the basic and a hundred bucks a year for the premium. But I will tell you, um, most of those GPSs are a little archaic to try and navigate. They can just be frustrating. And on my phone, it's pretty easy to go to here, go to there, drop a pin here, drop a pin, yep. share a pin with somebody. So I know we touched on that safety. I know we touched on your equipment. I The bow is awesome. It's really, it is a cool, and you know, you need to check state regs again, but pretty much if you're pulling 50 pounds with good arrows and good broadheads and 
we could discuss broadheads for days, but as long as you've got a broadhead that's sharp that holds together. And again, I mean, if you put it, you you shoot, bears have big heavy bones. You shoot a, an arrow or a bullet into a bone, that's a, that's a problem. You need to study some anatomy and figure out where to hold on a bear. They're a little different than a deer and elk, but uh, we'll get on to when you finally harvest a bear, you know, that's that's the fun part. I mean, bear stew is... It's a, it's a different meat. It's a different texture. The flavor is amazing. Uh, if you can get on a blueberry bear somewhere in the fall, those bears are, I mean, the ones in Alaska are, the fat is purple, Patrick, instead of white. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's like it's been <laughs> marinated in a blueberry sauce. So uh, definitely cook your bear very well done. <laughs> yeah, you don't want trichinosis. Yes, trichinosis a is a... Uh, it's, uh, well, it, it, some of our listeners probably haven't heard, but Stephen Ranella in Alaska <laughs> filmed the hunt where they were successful and he said, oh, it's good enough. And they all ate it and they all got it. So it's not fun having stuff moving around in your guts and tearing up your insides. So you want to cook it really well. And speaking of cooking, I have to bring up high mountain seasonings. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring them up. Let's say you go kill a spring bear. They've got everything that you need to process that animal as far as the spices and everything to cook it. So if you're going to make something like that, you could use high mountain seasonings. Oh, certainly. I mean, you, it's, it's a dark red meat. It's got great flavor and, you know, somebody, (laughs) somebody said it seems a little inefficient to, uh, to get protein that way as far as, you know, eating carnivores. And I, I could see their point, but at the same point in time, you know, usually I'm a, a secondhand vegetarian, but I'm okay being a thirdhand vegetarian. <laughs> well, and they are an omnivore, so they are grazing. They're kind of like yeah. a cow by the fall. <laughs> you know, they, they've fattened up and everything, but yeah. Oh, it's that, that is the one cool thing about, I mean, you're, you're talking a, a big bear in the, in the 500, 550, you know, upwards pounds, he's going to come out of winter somewhere in the 300s. I mean, so, and by the fall they get, oh, every other biting insect like any other critter and they'll start itching and you can, Mm -hmm. what's really cool is if you walk around the woods and you pay attention, you can find a tree where the bark is all scraped off of one side. It kind of looks like an elk rub. But if you look on the other side, you'll see claw marks and the bears kind of reach up just like you and I do sometimes at home, reach up, grab the wall behind us and scratch our back against the wall. (laughs) Bears will do that and they'll leave claw marks, but they'll leave, you know, really long human-like hair, whatever color. Elk have that coarser ungulate hair and bears kind of have that furry fuzz human-isk kind of hair, right? It's more, it's finer, it's a little more pliable. So let's say you drop a bear and you're going to use high mountain seasonings to cook it. What do you, what do you think you're going to use that they sell? I'm going to cook backstraps over the barbecue like you would deer elk. And then I'm going to take those uh, hind quarters and front shoulders and roast them just like you would uh, any other venison roast. I mean, it's really not any different. You just want to double check your temperature and make sure you've got up to temperature on bear meat, but... Yeah, no, no red, no medium rare. You, you cook it all the way <laughs> through. Uh, stew is really, bear stew is one of my favorites. And there are some great kits out at highmountainjerky.com. So if you want to try that, do that. Um, I, I'll i be very honest with everybody. I'm not a, 
I, I haven't had bear. So except for once in Alaska, we went up there and we got to try all these different things, but I was a little kid, so I don't really remember. Um, but I have friends who are huge fans of bear. And it, so I you guess know, it can be pretty darn good. You get over the thought of it and you put it on a plate next to some walleye and some cow and some kudu and some elk and you're not going to go oh that one's disgusting now you're right. going to well this one's different than this and what is it right the same thing with mountain lion mountain lion's actually really really good so yeah there are predators that are good to eat you just you know walleye are good to eat they're a predator mm-hmm. right absolutely so um yeah that's you know kind of the three just to sum it up the three tactics is the baiting the spot and stock glassing and the predator calling and the predator calling kind of, you're going to do some of the same stuff you do when you're spotting stalking, right? You're going to get out to where bears are supposedly supposed to be set up, get the wind in your face, try and maybe get a vantage point where you can see the bear before it sees you. And then just start screaming on that predator call. And sometimes, and we've done it when we're just spring bear hunting spot and stock, and you can be screaming on that call and that barrel he might pick his head up and look at you and just go back to grazing. He might run in the timber and run away, or he might turn and run right at you. And you never know. The, the, <laughs> typically, the big bears are going to run at you. Small bears are going to run away from you. Yeah, because big, big ones know they're powerful, and they can get the job done if they run over there and they want to take something. And that's, you know, just like duck hunting, just like, you know, decoying any other turkeys. Predator calling bears is... I mean, it's, it's a whole nother level. You've now communicated the sound and you've, you've controlled that bears, you know, movements outcome and his decisions. And that's when you've involved that level of deception, that's, you, you can get into my psyche a little bit, but you know, duck hunting, I've, I've done some jump shooting on canals and it's fun and it's successful, but there's something about getting ducks to cup their wings, commit and say, okay, I'm going to come hang out with these decoys in front of you that you're you go aha i tricked you right mm-hmm. and there's there's just a level of because it's not easy i mean you can't just say oh i'll just throw a couple i mean 150 years ago yeah you could carve some wooden decoys and throw them about anywhere now those ducks are they're pretty keen on hey we we get <laughs> shot when we when we screw up right they so, get smart and turkeys i've said this before you can kill the biggest turkey you you'll ever kill in the first five minutes of your first turkey hunt and you can go days on end and get skunked and have gobblers come in and go, eh, I'm not dealing with that. So spring bear hunting is another, it's kind of like Easter egg hunting for adults. It's, there's a little bit of work put into it. You know, you're definitely, there's no guaranteed success by any means, even baiting. You know, we've had years where nobody gets a bear on the barrel. It's so you know, it's it's just cool to be able to be in the presence of one of those large carnivores, you know, that, that large predator, and and especially if they don't know you're there, and just get to watch how they interact with their environment. That's, for me, that's the cool part about baiting is I can be sitting here talking to you and still get to see those trail cam pictures. And I've killed a couple bears now, and there's this progression that I've noticed with other bear hunters, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, is... At first, it's just, I just want to kill a bear. Any bear, it doesn't matter. I just want to get a bear, right? And then it's like, well, now you, you get a bear, and it, I want to get another one. I want to get a big one. And then it, it kind of grows to, okay, I only want to harvest the uber monster or this certain color phase. And even even that gets old, and I see 
bear hunters turn into bear photographers. They just, but once it gets in your blood, it's, <laughs> you just want to go out and see bears. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, there's definitely something cool about them. I, uh, when I harvest that bear, I pack a couple game bags, right? And typically I don't bone the quarters out like you would a, a, an elk if you're backpacking because you're, you're not dealing with the, the, you're not dealing with a 700 pound critter, right? And so you're dealing with about a third meat. You can bone it for sure. That's not a problem. But I, depending on the size of the bear, our Wyoming bears are a little bit smaller than like a coastal black bear or an Ohio bear. And so quarter it up like you would. And I like to rug them when I skin them, save that, that pelt. And if you're not going to utilize it and save it, somebody will, right? That definitely use it for something give it to somebody to use but don't leave it so i mean claws come out hide comes out skull comes out all the meat comes out so you're leaving a a, a pile of pretty much inedible stuff there and so it takes a little bit of know-how how to separate and process that and it's 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 slightly different than an ungulate but it's similar i mean i would definitely watch a video of how to rug something instead of because you don't want to mess that rug up and, you know, when you're messing around with trying to, and the face is tough and the front arms are a little tough and definitely around the paws is, is something you need to, to figure out. I, I would highly recommend an, an outdoor edge knife or a good, other sharp knife and, you know, have, have way to sharpen it. Cause you know, you're going to be grinding your knife along the bone quite a bit trying to get that done. But I have a couple bear rugs and they're, they're cool. It's, yeah. you know, definitely something, something I would recommend. And if you don't harvest a bear, just getting to go out and see one through the spotting scope, that's, for me, that's a win right there. Is Well, yeah, after a long Wyoming or Montana or Idaho winter, people are ready to get out and just be out anyway. So it's, it's worth just getting out of the house and doing something different. I've had more failed stocks than successful on spring bear, but. I've seen bear and I get to go out and watch them and hang out at camp and get outside. So definitely, you know, I would, I would encourage everybody if you've never got a chance to go to bear camp and go on a bear hunt, I would, I would definitely put it on, on your to-do list. Cause it's, you know, there's, there's a huge difference of driving up into Yellowstone and seeing one on the side of the road where 50 people, it, to me, it loses its majesty it's like right. it's tainted it's that's that's pet boo-boo right when i'm two three miles four miles back in somewhere and i'm glassing and watching a bear where there's no other human around i, I feel that that's my memory right i don't have to share it with anybody yeah. if i don't want to exactly well it's been fun learning a little bit about spring bear like i said that's definitely not in my wheelhouse so it was fun to fun to visit about that and go through it um for everyone out there if you want more content we've got a whole bunch of stuff we have 50 previous episodes this is episode 51 go back and listen to some of those we've got some really good stuff out there rate review subscribe subscribe we had share please we had a listener this past week reached out and said hey i was you know i drew the bison tag and so i wanted to talk to that guy you guys had on the show and he'd found us you know just looking through podcasts and wanted more information so i mean we do have a pretty good library now good information so yeah share it with your friends the rating and subscribing helps a whole bunch and then of course just talk to your friends about it i mean that 
that's a, that's a huge thing. If if it if it's helping you, let us know too, because we kind of want to know if it's if it's helpful or not. But get you a hat, get you a shirt. Yep. Show your show your radcast pride. The other sponsor we need to talk about, and I'll preface this with saying our next episode is going to be on post spawn walleyes. But if you haven't been out to the lake yet and you want to go catch walleyes, PK Lures has you outfitted. The, the lure that I've done really well on this this year is the PK Ridge Rattler. It's a new rattle bait, and I've got a lot of walleye on it already. My favorite color so far has been the clown. Uh, it's been very effective. PK Wobbler this time of year starts to be really effective, you know, trolling real slow with like a crawler harness kind of presentation. So. Well, depending where you're you're going on a bear hunt, there may be a body of water close by and you know if you get really lucky and are successful you're going to need something to do to fill out the rest of your week if you you know you or you know midday you're bored there's nothing wrong with taking a small takedown pack rod and a couple a couple spoons and trying to see if you can scare a fish up for dinner instead of a bear in those high mountain lakes too if you take those really small size pk spoons and pk flutter fish i've cut a lot of trout on those so check them out Go to pklure.com, and like I said, we'll come back on the next episode, do a little bit of walleye for our uh, theme, but go check us out on the socials. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you again soon. See you guys.